here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello and welcome everybody to Shake Them Ropes, the weekly podcast where Jeff Hawkins and I talk wrestling inside the ring and out. From WWE and NXT to every once in a while, ROH, PWG, and other independents. Rob McCarron here, and today on the show, we continue what has become a quarterly tradition on Shake Them Ropes. Jeff and I will welcome Chris Harrington on the show as we discuss the WWE's third quarter business results. Chris will come by to make sense of everything for us and tell us what the WWE Network subscription totals mean for the near and long-term future. But before Chris joins, Jeff and I will get into some news, including the potential new name for Kevin Steen, the direction heading into Survivor Series and some NXT TV reviews. It's a packed episode, our second this week. We hope you enjoy it. Remember, if you would like to be a part of our show, we encourage you to make your thoughts known on any of our topics. Find us on Twitter, at ShakeThemRopes, where you can find information on our call-in shows that give you the floor to make your point of view known on the world of wrestling. We also take calls 24-7 on our voicemail lines. Give us a call anytime at 260-494-3811 or on Skype. At our username, Let's Say Things. All one word, L-E-T-S-S-A-Y-T-H-I-N-G-S. Let's Say Things. Leave your message and we'll play it on our next show. The show isn't just for Jeff and I to talk. We want a variety of voices to participate. If you're a new listener, check out our archives at shakethemropes.com, including our episodes featuring the interview with Nick Eugene Dinsmore talking about his release and time at NXT, and our call-in show this past Sunday, Post Hell in the Cell, we took live calls, talked about the pay-per-view, got immediate reaction, a fun show. Go check it out at shakethemropes.com. I will be back with Jeff Hawkins here to talk all the WWE topics, and then a bit later we'll be joined by Chris Mukigana Harrington on the WWE business here on Shake Them Ropes. everybody rob mccarran back here now with jeff hawkins for our second edition of shake them ropes this week we're going to be joined later by chris harrington uh, but first before we do that we're going into the news and the reviews of wwe and nxt this past week jeff uh, should we start with nxt you know i'm doing fine rob i just don't want to go into any specifics right <laughs> I had a feeling something like that was coming, which is why I didn't do the normal hello. I had a feeling. 
The getting uh, we're, the getting into specifics was a big one. I oh. had a, I had a choice. Is it gonna be that or uh, starting to sing? I fight authority. No. Authority always wins. Hey, they both work. But I we'll, fight authority. Authority always wins. We're gonna bring uh, Chris Harrington, and Mookie <laughs> Ghana on a little bit later to talk about the uh, earnings report from WWE as well as today's conference call, in which George Berrios answered almost every question with the statement without getting into specifics. <laughs> It was more so than usual, because he never usually goes into specifics, but to use the same phrase over and over again, he was ready for action. And by that, I mean inaction. For American sports fans, it's the, it was the equivalent of the Drew Rosenhaus next question press conference. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't given specifics. What are you going to do? Um, but let's start with uh, NXT. On our Sunday show, you mentioned how you wanted to take a moment to talk about something from last week's NXT TV show. I have a feeling it has relation to Sasha Banks and Bailey. Yes, it does. Uh, I, you know, because I tend to snark a bit on this show and it got me thinking, I want to present something positive that I really, really liked uh, before we start criticizing. Uh, the, 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 the Sasha Banks-Bailey match on this past week's NXT, I, I loved it. And I love their dynamic I think Bailey plays that feisty underdog who then eventually becomes a fighting underdog better than any diva on the roster. Uh, I think Sasha Banks is a little cartoony at times, but she was doing a lot of things I loved in this match. I I have a soft spot in my heart for the Zabisco stall where you where you're kind of trolling the uh, your opponent and then you go into the rope so that you don't get hit and then eventually you take a cheap shot of some kind. Uh, the transition into the bank statement I thought was absolutely awesome this week. And they just have a believability that they just don't like each other in terms of their characters. And it's really just, it's it's a great feud, and I really liked it. And I'm looking forward to this Sasha-Charlotte feud quite a bit. And Bailey continues to grow on me a bit. At first, I just kind of found her in that, you know, in that kind of... Hipstery, for lack of a better term, Emma type of oh, sure. yeah. thing where it's just like, okay, we're just cheering her because, you know, she's goofy or whatnot. But man, she is really good at that character. And I hope that w- hopefully when she gets called up to the main roster, they know how to build that character correctly. But I don't have a lot of faith, but I hope they do. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know what to think fully of Bailey yet. I mean, I don't know how she would play on the main roster because not that they were exactly the same because they're not, but Emma seemed to me like someone who was somewhat similar in who she would resonate with. Well, there's a slight difference. Kids have really, I've looked at her social media, Bailey's quite a bit. Kids have taken a real liking to her in terms of those that are exposed to the NXT prog far more than they have Emma. I think, I think the thing is there aren't a lot of kids around the NXT audience. Now it's a small sample size. It may resonate to the larger WWE audience, but, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping they get on this. Hey, we can market this to girls and the girl power type of movement, but they've never been good at that. Everything they've done in this divas division this past year, for the most part has had that undercurrent of misogyny a bit. And you're just like, and, and every girl's crazy and it's like, oh, this is such a refreshing thing. It could really bring in young female fans if they do it right and treat it with respect. And then you go, yeah, but I know what they do. <laughs> yeah. 
That's the thing. The the women's division in NXT is unbelievable. It's probably the best in the U.S. And we're talking including Shimmer and other uh, women-only organizations. The NXT women, in-ring-wise, the storylines that are going on with them, and the potential of everyone in there. It's unbelievable be, right now. And I'll be honest. I thought the one of the best in-ring matches other than the main event on this week's Raw, I've really liked that Alicia Fox... AJ Lee match for as short as it was. I thought Alicia looked better than she has in a long time in that match, especially the bridging suplex that she was doing. That was quite impressive. I thought, yeah, probably the best Alicia Fox match since the classic with uh, Melina. Um, One of those (laughs) big time matches that I know everyone remembers. So, you know, that's who is it? Naomi or Cameron's favorite match. It's It's what got Cameron into pro wrestling. Melina and Alicia Fox. Uh, Kevin Steen looks to have it set that his new name is going to be Kevin Owens. Kind of taking in. uh, He named his son. His his son is named Owen after Owen Hart. Kevin Steen yearly on uh, Owen Hart's death will make a statement. Uh, Kevin Steen, the noted Owen Hart fan, names his son Owen. His last name now in WWE looks to be Owens, going by Kevin Owens. His debut is imminent, I would imagine, if not on the next TakeOver special, maybe on TV afterwards. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Owens. What do you think about the name? And uh, still excited to see this guy debut. Uh, if they treat him kind of like Itami's debut, uh, I, I'm not going to have a problem with it. It's a name. It's a holding name. My deal is the presentation of him, what they're going to do for his look, um, how they speak about him on commentary, and, you know the nickname that he's eventually going to get cynically. I, I think because, because, because to me, I think nicknames should come more organically from yeah. your promos rather than the way that the WWE did it. Like, especially this week was, <laughs> it was a big hungry moment for Roman Reigns. I thought making him both the juggernaut and the big dog, neither of which anybody calls him much like nobody ever calls Seamus the great white. Um, You know, let, let those nicknames come organically they or got a to more, a little bit more organically and, yeah. and, and and but i have no problem you know kevin owens is a fine name it's a plain name it's it's a fine holding, name it's a holding pattern i mean if you know it, it's kind of like saying well what do you think of arn anderson as a name i go well, it's a fine name if you call him the enforcer arn anderson that's kind of badass right there so let's wait and see what they do with it it's all about the presentation not about the name Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this, it's a name. I think people get a little hyped over the name because one, it's new information that's coming out when we haven't seen a lot of new information because everyone's really anxious to see uh, Kevin Owens debut. If that's actually his name, I mean, at 1% likelihood uh, that it's not, but 99% that's going to be it. I don't uh, think there's going to be any chance of kill Owens kill. Well, there was never a chance of kill anything kill. Hopefully not. Well, there was never, there was never a chance of kill you know anything that, kill. You know that NXT audience. It's no. a little smoky. I know, but you just got to start them with something else and they'll be fine. Because they, te- the NXT audience generally adapts to what you want them to. Because they'll chant a whole bunch of stuff, but at the same time, they'll do what you want in, for the most part as far as chants. People were chanting Hideo. You know, they'll, they'll adjust because okay. it, it becomes their thing. Kevin Owens is going to be NXT audience's thing. You know, Kevin Steen isn't their thing. Kevin Owens is. So uh, they'll be fine chanting whatever fight Owens fight or fight Kev fight. Um, I, I could see this guy being quite okay with any nickname they give him really. And Kevin Steen is, he's a guy that 
got over organically. I don't yes. see that changing in NXT. I think they're going to do... Uh, they don't over-script a lot of these people. If you notice with the promos that you see in NXT, they're very basic. Yeah. And they're, I'm going to fight you for this. I'm going to fight you for that. And then they fight. You know, even Sami Zayn uh, on upcoming TV, there's a big storyline with Sami Zayn and there's a lot of promos. People are, you know, talking about the stip for NXT TakeOver, which I, I will try not to spoil it, but there's a stipulation and people hear that stipulation and think, well, that's unbelievable. Trust me when I tell you, the promo that builds up to it is a pretty natural promo and it makes sense. So watch how these guys are in the ring talking. I have no problem believing that Kevin Owens is going to get over in a variety of ways, especially with that audience. Oh, I have no problem with that. And, and Owens has a natural ability to do a promo. That sounds like a fighting promo, which is what NXT does pro wrestling better than the, the main roster does right now. So I, I, you know, I have, I have some faith in that. I hope he doesn't get hurt for being too Canadian. (laughs) Because Kevin Steen is a guy that sounds Canadian compared to everyone else that's down there, especially the Canadians. I'm just saying, I hope. You could build a good French heel if you really tried. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's talk a little about Raw. Okay. WWE, because, I mean, we are still, what, four weeks out from Survivor Series, which is now free, by the way, and we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Survivor Series is coming. In about four weeks, and we have almost a pretty good idea what maybe not the entire card, but a good portion of it is going to be. Uh, this week's Raw first a a blank general overview of Raw this week. Uh, positive, negative, uh, the big selling points. What do you think about Raw? <laughs> it was a show that set up a basic main event. It was, yeah, it was basically just wrapped around what the main event of Survivor Series is going to be and everything else was just kind of a holding pattern type of show and maybe reestablish what we already knew. Um, I didn't really like it all that much, but, I mean, there was some good stuff in it. I could have uh, not, 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 uh, not, not a lot of good stuff, oh, but yeah. some good stuff. I could have used a better transition from uh, Dean Ambrose to Bray Wyatt, but again, after yes. Hell in a Cell with the hologram, I knew we wouldn't get one, so yeah, you what know, are you going to do? I, well, I, I think Dean Ambrose... Basically, they they told you what they thought of him in in on this show because, you know, who was presented as as stars on this show? Roman Reigns, Ryback, <laughs> Cena, and not again, Dean Ambrose necessarily. Not to not to harp on Ryback because I'm glad they're presenting Ryback as a star. We got Ryback come back, his big return, squashing Bo Dallas. I am not going to hate on WWE for making stars of those who actually have a natural re- reaction to them from the audience. True. And I also think I, I think this new twist in, in Randy Orton's character is far too close to the Dean Ambrose character and is more of a it, badass. It absolutely is. He's more he stole the Dean Ambrose character in one night. And yeah. you know what? First of all, it's a character that he's had before. So yes. we can't say it was Dean Ambrose's character, but no, he certainly but did it better. Randy Orton was great on Raw. I thought, yeah, I thought it was great. I, thought, boy, did I love the way Seth Rollins sold that RKO. The Loved R- it. Yeah, that he, was my favorite thing on Raw. Slivers into my the RKO. Absolute favorite thing on Raw was just him dying on the RKO. Seth Rollins has this look on his face, even as he's going down for the RKO. Like, what the fuck is just happening? It's I, his his job taking that RKO was excellent. The segment was great. Randy Orton was perfect. 
And that's two or three Raws in a row now where Randy Orton's been the star of the show. And this is not a one-night thing. He's been the star for the last three weeks. I... You know, I know they're setting up this Survivor Series match. I just, <laughs> it's always a stretch of the imagination, the Cena hating and the authority and the authority trying to turn him bad, which we've now seen in his past six feuds, it seems. I mean, John Cena lives, eats, and breathes the WWE, and the authority are the WWE. I don't understand the tension. <laughs> you know, oh, well, I do it for the fans. Well, okay, but I don't like the authority. Well, okay, fine. Take take your fans and go over to TNA or something, John. But no, I love I love this WWE so much. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it kind of uh it, it it kind of forces me to strain my credibility quite a, or not my credibility, but my imagination trying to find this feud credible when it's like you know, why doesn't the authority just do what they did in office space and cut off his salary and move his office and <laughs> just really screw it? Oh, really? You love the WWE? Okay, well, fine. Well, we want to fire you, but we can't. So we'll just screw with you some more. <laughs> and, it, and it seems to me that, you know, oh, he hates the authority, but yet the authority keeps putting him in these positions where all he has to do is win one match and he's the number one contender for the, for that, the belt again. That's the biggest thing to me. I, <laughs> the whole storyline is that they want this belt away from John Cena and they were successfully uh, doing that with Brock Lesnar being the champ. Well, now Brock Lesnar's gone. Um, I don't think their segment this week, I, it was just more filler. Uh, Again, people get into how John Cena's done this angle now several times with Paul Heyman and with Kane, where when are you finally going to turn? When's your breaking point, John Cena? That was what this was again. But at the same time, we had Triple H coming out at the end with the, uh, I told you he wouldn't go for it, yada, yada, yada. It's just another bet. It was a follow-up to the betting angle from the week before with the dollar bet. So it was very subtle, I guess, in that regard. You know, Triple, H, Triple H was great, I thought, in his segments he was talking about, but, you know, it's always funny to me where it's like, uh, you know, you've been here for, what, 13 years, and you're starting to break down? I mean, the, the kind of the, really, we're going to move on away from you? And then it's like, and I've been here 20, and I go, yeah, and you keep being in all the big shows still, Hunter, so, and you're not broken down yet. Why would he be broken down, necessarily? It seemed odd, that, that it, whole... It was odd. It was oddly... Pl- placed i mean it was it was writing for the sake of writing like let's yeah. come up with a an angle for this show yeah yeah it's it's funny i mean we we know i mean let me let me ask you something on this is 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 the main story going to be which team is randy orton going to be on I, and are we going to have that be definite are we going to have him be on cena's team or are we going to have him be on well, the let's get team? let's get into the direction for, for uh, survivor series so we had the main event of this free show uh this mm-hmm. clash of the champions if you will uh, How dare you? How dare you sully the name of NWA and WCW by using that term? Team Authority versus <laughs> Team Cena. Team Cena, uh, not surprisingly, headed by John Cena. Um, <laughs> As we, opposed to what? Team Discovery Channel? Hey, you never know. <laughs> never know. For all we know, Rodney Mack can come back. and. Oh, yeah. We could get, yeah, we could get Red Dog. We could get B2. Right. Uh, so this is the main event. Now the question as to what team Randy Orton is going to be on. See, I've gone back and forth with that. You know, at one point I thought, okay, Randy Orton might be the final member of team Cena. You know, they build up to it for a couple of weeks. I think I like the idea of, you know, triple H trying to corral. Cause right now Randy Orton is still on team authority. Yes. They've had their infighting, but they're still going to play it up. Like he's on the team. Okay. 
I think the idea that you go with is Randy Orton is on team authority and that's where the actual turn happens. He turns on his team at Survivor Series, costs his team the win, and then that's where you go with Seth Rollins and Randy Orton. Maybe eventually to Triple H and Randy Orton. I could see that. I, you know, or or you build that he's going to be on the authority team until the last week, and then he decides, you know what, screw this, I'm going to be on Team Cena, and Triple H joins Team Authority. Because I think the authority team is going to be... It's going to be Rollins, the two Stooges, Kane, and either Orton or Triple H, I think. So do you think they take the free month of WWE Network? And again, we'll get into a little bit more of what that means. But yeah, WWE is giving November for free if you are not a subscriber to the network. Do you think they use Triple H wrestling as a big selling point eventually? Because I I could see that angle possibly happening if they really feel that they need to uh, get people to watch this show. Uh, I could see Triple H being the final member of his own team. I could see that happening. Uh, the problem is he has to lose at Survivor Series. True, but I don't think he minds that. Okay. Because remember, the authority always wins. Right, and that um, would be... Uh, and, yeah. so on, and so the next Monday will be, well, here's, here's the plot twist you weren't expecting, right. John. Well, the thing is, they're going very quickly with this. Actually, because I like I said... Actually, actually, let me recant a bit. I don't think the Stooges are actually going to be on the team, but I think it's a possibility. Okay, so let's get into the predictions for the teams. Because... I have my <laughs> predictions right now. You may not have yours because I didn't warn you for this. No, that's true. But, I, I think they're going to keep most of these mid-card programs outside of it. But, but that's what I, I agree, too, because first of all, there's going to be 10 men in this match. So you got to fill out the undercard with something. So this is my prediction right now. And I want to do it this week because who knows? We may have every team by next week the way they're speeding this process up. Mm-hmm. Um, team Cena, I think, will be headed by, of course, John Cena. We pretty much got it confirmed that Dolph Ziggler will be another member of the team. I could see the Ryback coming back to be on this team. And then Jimmy and Jay Uso rounding it out. Because they don't really... I and mean, they've had tag title matches. I think they're out of that scene. And combating with Team Authority, I have Seth Rollins, Kane, Randy Orton, Joseph Mercury, and James Noble. Oh, so you went with it, huh? Well, it all makes sense because this is the that- authority. That does make sense. I mean, they're not bringing in outside guys. That is the actual authority, and it's team authority. We've been seeing the increased presence of Mercury and Noble on the show, and it gives two guys for that heel team some pretty big easy outs. Like, those two guys are going to lose, and it doesn't hurt anyone. True. No, I mean, it's a perfectly good team, and then it leaves all the mid-card feuds to fight with one another and and not really get those guys involved in it. Because, again, I think team... The only way you have Team Authority winning is if Randy Orton actually gets the win somehow. Like, maybe he does this turn and he gets the win, or maybe they don't do the turn this night, and Randy Orton gets the win to kind of settle back his uh, his babyface turn. Like, okay, I won the thing for the Authority. Now give me what I want. Maybe they don't give him what he wants and he turns. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way I see them winning is if Randy Orton wins. Otherwise, I see Team Cena pretty much running this. And if you're going to do that, it doesn't matter who's on the losing team that much. So you put Mercury and Noble on there because right. again, we have an undercard to fill and we don't well, have a lot of bodies to fill it. Yeah. And I think basically it's going to go the standard way it does is that the heels are going to eliminate two or three of the faces until it's Cena and somebody, you yeah. know, with their backs against the wall and then Cena and Cena runs through most of them. 
yeah. if not all. And, and maybe, and this is a good way to set up John Cena's program for TLC. It could be, see, I, I mean, going into TLC, I figured the only main event you possibly have is if Seth Rollins defends his money in the bank briefcase. That's the only main event I could possibly see for a TLC. You know, and I was thinking maybe when, when they did this initial Ziggler angle that they were going to eventually, it's going to be Cena talking to different people, and then each week that guy's going to get punked out to the point where he do, he can't be on the team anymore. I thought that'd be creative. And that's when he goes to Randy Orton for help uh, to finally fill it out. Yeah. Um, there, there's a number of different ways you can go. So it, it looks like we have a direction. It's just how they get there is still somewhat murky at best. I, I think the bunny will be on the team. Yeah, I don't think so. I think you're wrong. Um, you know what? The bunny, I, by the way, the bunny may not be on Team WWE much longer. Oh, really? Okay. Didn't know that. Um, <laughs> hey, we still got one more day to go this week, and there was bad uh, financial news. So I, th- I think your call is pretty good. I'll go with an alternative one uh, just to get more guys involved in it. Um, I'll say, because I think there was something to that The Future promo. So I think I'm going to go Cena, Big Show, Ziggler, Adrian Neville, and Randy Orton against Kane, Rollins, um, Hunter, Mark Henry, and... <laughs> it's not so easy booking now, is it? I've, I've, painted, I've painted myself into not a corner. Not so easy booking. No, but I like the idea of, you know what? I really liked the idea that they did a few years ago when they did a, a four-on-four Survivor Series match of bringing in a guy from the off-brand to, to elevate, and I think they're going to do that here with Neville. Yeah. I do. Well, I think he's going to be in that match. That's the question, too, because we haven't confirmed and whether it's going to be... Well, hold on. We haven't okay. confirmed if it's going to be five or four guys. I would assume five because that's the tradition, but you never know. It could very well be four for the reason that they don't have a lot of bodies. Right. I mean, the Usos are a good call, I think. But, you know, I think Neville's on the team. I think he gets and the reason I put Neville on the team is to make that valiant effort while doing high flying moves and eventually getting squashed by whoever the giant heel is, either Kane or Mark Henry. It's a good idea, too, if you put Neville on the card somewhere, anywhere, because he's going to be defending his NXT title in December when people have to pay for this network. And this will be the toe in the water, uh, another toe in the water to see, okay, how do the people react to him? And can we bring him up after that December thing? Do we may have him drop the belt in December to Sami Zayn finally yeah. and and bring him up? Um, although he's getting kind of heelish play on NXT, so I don't know if he'd be brought up for the face team. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you put him on the main event necessarily. Um, you could. But I was thinking kind of the punk corollary when they stuck him with DA, DX and Jeff Hardy, I think it was, on that survivor series team and really gave punk you know he got most of the cheers and you know he survived and it was you know Mm -hmm. he he really they really he really came into his own on that show why not do the same with a guy on your nxt roster here running through the rest of the direction before we get chris on here it looks like the u.s title as we said on sunday most likely is going to be rusev and sheamus uh we're getting and plus, let me go back just real quick. I thought Mark Henry, the, the, the heel turn would have been much more better if you had made him get paid off by the authority rather than just, he tagged me too hard. I <laughs> Just stupid. Well, they had a buildup where, okay, you know, Big Show couldn't beat this guy either after all the talking he did. You had a ready-made, I, you know, I, went, I guess they go with the last straw. Like, Henry could put all that beside, you know, aside, but this was the last straw type of thing. You're in the middle of a tag team title yeah. match. 
Right. It's I, stupid. It was it was bad. Uh, the timing in WWE lately has just been unbelievable. Um, not, not in a good not way. Thinking. They're uh, not thinking. Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose continues to be that direction. Uh, Nikki Bella challenging for the Divas title against AJ Lee most likely will be at Survivor Series. Uh, yep. I got to figure that I'll make my prediction now that Brie Bella as the assistant gets the win for Nikki and then off they are. Uh, awesome. Big Show and Mark Henry, uh, they did the turn on Raw, so that right. appears to be a ready-made match. I could see them doing uh, a women's Survivor Series match also, because Oof. they yeah, have with the Total Divas crew. They got a bunch of women on that show, um, and you can have uh, that match take place. And then who knows yeah. what's with the rest of the card? You know, but, yeah, uh, the, yeah, you have you have the two Mizzes against the Usos if you want it. You have Stardust and Gold Dust against. Well, geez, they're not even anywhere, so they may be on that authority team because they don't—they don't have a face team to face right now, unless you count the Matadors. Yeah, there, there could be a couple of different directions because, uh, yeah, and you have have guys that can fill out the card, but not necessarily good ideas for them. And you have Cesaro versus everything. (laughs) I, I didn't even think of putting Cesaro on anything. This, on this poor show. Sap. Him and him and Jack Swagger in Nowheresville right now. Yeah, like what's he gonna do? I don't know. You know, you know, the best thing for him is send him back to NXT for a couple of matches with Sammy or somebody. Yeah, dance him around in a pumpkin on SmackDown. Yeah, there's uh I didn't Ugh. even that's how bad it is. I didn't even think poor to put guy. Cesaro on the show. Oh no, he's Ugh. not. And 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 he's I, I I posited that he's he may be a cost cutting measure at some point, even though he's too good to cut. He's really. too good. He's too but they good. Don't, but they don't Adam know what Rose to do there. with him. No, they, that's for sure. They don't know what sure. to do with him. They don't know what to do with these crazy, amazing athletes. You know, they're, at least they're my, getting Rusev right for the most part. Which will go into my network talk. But they're getting it. Rusev right. So uh, let's take a little short break. We're going to uh, come back with Chris Mukigana Harrington talking today's WWE business results, and all of that jazz here in just a moment. We are joined by Chris Mukigana Harrington of Bleacher Report at Mukigana on Twitter. A uh, very busy man today, writing articles all over the place. He got something up on Bleacher Report today, got something up on VoicesOfWrestling.com today, all about WWE business, the quarterly financial results. Their statement was made today. They had a conference call today, whole bunch of stuff. Chris, hello, how are you, and how has it been today? You know, it's a... Uh... It's always a little stressful when when WWE conference calls are coming out because you know that you're going to spend the whole day furiously tweeting and then write something about it and then have like 3,000 people ask you either the same question or ask you something you have no goddamn answer for. So it's interesting <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> what's, to get back into it. What's so the, it's uh, fun. What's the uh, biggest, maybe the question that's been asked of you the most today, so we can get this out of the way so I don't just ask it and we we fall off oh, the rail? I think it's what is the profitability for the WWE Network? How many subscribers do they need? And and it's just a really fuzzy math number in terms of what it is that they need because they keep kind of moving the goalposts on us by saying, oh, we're going to cut costs here and we're going to do better here. And then all we have to do is average this number over 12 months minus this month, but times 12. 
and it's it's just really goofy. So I, that's the one question I can't really answer. And then just you know the bigger questions of like, is this a good idea, or why why are their earnings expectations such and such? I don't know any of the Wall Street stuff, so I, I only know what I read. Uh, the so the big juicy detail that most people got out of this is as more and more focus has been coming on these uh, quarterly financial results with the WWE Network coming out. The big number today: subscribers as of September thirtieth, seven hundred thirty-one thousand. Uh, lower than uh, what I had thought. I thought it was going to reach at eight hundred thousand, and I even thought that that was a small estimate, a low estimate. Uh, just first, your view on that number that was released, and and what can we learn from that number? Well, there's a lot of fascinating things about that number. One thing they did in the report this time, which I really like, is they actually broke out all of the WWE network numbers in gains and losses for basically four quarters. So the the period up to 331, the week of WrestleMania, the remaining of Q2 and all of Q3 saying when did they lose, when did they gain. And also they gave us an idea of how many international subs we got this time. And so we found out that there's 20,000 international subscriptions. International subscriptions started on August 12th officially. And that international sub number does include Canada for those people asking. Um, that I think is fascinating to me, just the idea that, I'm sorry, the cops showed up here at work, so that they just, I, I thought finally I was being arrested for insider trading Uh-oh. or something. Um, finally, no, uh, please. <laughs> I just think it's fascinating how tiny that um, international number was. Uh, I did some calculations on Bleacher Report where I was going out saying, oh, you know, steady state, maybe there's 100,000, 200,000, 250,000 international subscribers, even before you get to Canada, once you take into account Brazil and France and all these other big places. Well, that didn't happen. So that was really fascinating to me. And then on top of that, just how anemic this growth is. You know, I think we're up 5% uh, from the last quarter, and we're just barely, you know, scratching the surface each time here because every time there's there's large gains, there's six-digit decreases in the number of subscribers. And uh, no matter how WWE tries to spin it with their churn statistics, I still think that's radically high for a service that is this underdeveloped and has such a limited base of operations to kind of draw from. The the international numbers, because that was something new that we got that hadn't been uh, on previous uh, quarterly calls, international number being low, do you think it has maybe a partial factor in that could be that subscribers who really wanted it uh, internationally are already subscribing based on their, you know, kind of getting the U.S. method down uh, and just they've already paid for it, so they are not going to re-sign up with their actual address or actual credit card information or anything like that could it be that there's still a lot of international numbers in built into the u.s number i mean it's always a possibility i certainly can't say it's not if we assume seven hundred thousand, and we assume say 20 percent of that is international i'm trying to figure out how to hit the equal key on this wacky thing here you know it's 140,000 uh subs that could be international masqueraders as domestic now, that number feels a little high to me in the sense of why do you get such anemic growth from when you're offered to everybody and just these pirates are 140,000 out of this group there. So th- there's definitely some people hiding. You know, we've heard from people in the UK, we've heard from people in other parts of the world saying that they either kept their US version of it or that uh, they subscribed and they didn't want to after it launched. They already kind of tested it out. So I think the thing that really shocked me is to say that they are going to move ahead on this UK over-the-top distribution. But it makes me wonder how big is the UK number really going to be because uh, all these promises of, you know, we're going to hit 100,000 people. Well, you know what? You had the whole rest of the world and you could barely get 25. 
So the idea that we're just going to add UK, which does have hardcore fans, but so did Canada, and we didn't get nearly the, the lift that I think we would have expected. So there's certainly some masqueraders there. And I think what it's really saying to me is of the 971,000 people who have ever signed up for this service, which is the number they gave us in this press release, about 75% of them are around. But I really struggle to wonder whether there's more than, you know, a million people steady state that are interested in this service. And so, yeah, you're going to get a little bit of boost come WrestleMania time. I think you can add a couple hundred thousand to the number we have right now for a short period of time, but they just got rid of all the uh, month-to-month commitments. So it's going to be a very short period of peak. And uh, it just says to me that there's a lot of struggle out there, and so they have to make this service profitable at that 750 to 800,000 you know, subscriber mark, and that is kind of what they're trying to do right now, but it, it's not nearly as profitable as it was even before you implemented pay-per-view revenue back in the 2011, 2012, 2013 era. Well, Chris, I got, go I got a question concerning these international markets and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> I have your email here, and you've listed a, a, a vast number of countries that they still haven't really even really begun to test the network in with you know, some of which with sizable WWE fan bases. Do you read anything into the fact that despite not having it in these countries, that they're scrambling in terms of how they market it to the domestic um, subscribers, that they don't have confidence in these other countries being growth markets for their subscriber base? No, no, I read it a different way. I read it as these are mostly countries that they have just signed new TV deals in, and they're afraid that launching the WWE Network in those countries is going to undermine somehow that relationship with the TV deal countries. Because okay. almost one for one, I've found a correlation between countries they didn't launch in and countries that they just signed a deal in. So the Middle East, they, they just signed a deal with them, they didn't launch. Italy, uh, Japan, uh, 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 Germany, uh, you know, all of these countries, the UK, they just signed new deals with uh, Thailand, Malaysia. So I think there's something there with, you know, in case of UK, they just signed a deal to sell pay-per-views there. And the next thing, you know, they're rolling out the, the OTT. So it's like, you know, they're already undercutting these people. And the fact that they even at the last second said, oh, we're, we're delaying the launch to deal with our potential partners, it's pretty clear that you're basically saying, we went to these companies and said, do you want to pay us a bunch of money and we won't launch it? So I see it more as that than I do even having to do with the marketing aspect of it. I see it as just TV rights playing off um, because in some of these cases, they sold them the rights to pay-per-views and now they're about to undercut them. We'll, we'll go into some of the uh, the news about this network and some other of your key uh, takeaways here, of course. Um, I wanted to ask this because we had talked about this subscriber number. Just one more thing on the number. The 731,000 subscriptions were as of September 30th. Those who may have purchased the the network, maybe the couple of days or the day of WrestleMania this year, if they signed up for six months and kept it, their renewal period is coming up or has uh, expired now by, by now. Do you think this yeah, number could actually be week, lower? Well, the very first week of, of, um, of September, like you said, no, I'm sorry, of October, uh, there, there would have been like 160,000 subs come due. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a significant, I mean, just to see that enormous growth between 331 and 446, it went from 495,667,287, which, you know, uh, you, you can go buy one of those old human calculator videotapes from the 80s 
that I had as a child. But, uh, you know, that's like 160,000 people showing up out of the blue just to buy WrestleMania. Though I think, personally, a lot of those people already churned out during Q2 and Q3 mm-hmm. when we had that big drop-off and they're like, these are payment issues, yada, yada. Sure. I think that a lot of people of those with that WrestleMania bunch. So I think we actually lost a lot of those people. I think what we have now is a much better idea of, you know, basically how many people are just like me going to pay for it month to month and, and not think twice of it unless they do something so egregious that I decide that I, I'm annoyed with it. You know, I'm just going to pay for it the way I pay for Hulu and Amazon Prime and right. Netflix just as part of my package deal for entertainment for whenever I want. The, the crazy thing is, I think it's it's a good move in this regard, because when I think of WWE Network and how I had my six month subscription and then I think of Hulu, I don't know when my subscription renews every month on Hulu. I don't know what day it is because I don't think about it, it just happens. With WWE Network, because they gave me that six-month period to think about, like, I, from day one, I'm thinking, okay, it goes for six months. That day stuck with me more. Like, I knew when I could get out of it. It was not something where I'm subscribing just because it's it's not on my mind. Like, they were giving me an end date, for example. You know, the one thing that I really took away from the Netflix um, results from about a week and a half ago, where they, they delivered 3 million new subscribers, but that was considered not enough. And so their stock fell and they blamed it on the $1 increase they did in May, but it took four months for it to hit because people liked Orange is the New Black so much. Yeah. Either it's so complex to understand this OTT market today that even the best players in the game are failing at it, or everyone is, it doesn't really understand what's going on and they just make up really wacky explanations every time someone pushes them for results. So I think it's a little column A and a little bit of column B, but I, I'm always heartened and disheartened by seeing how much Hulu and Netflix get it right and get it wrong because mm-hmm. then, well, what chances WWE have to do just as well or even worse than them? Well, even even CBS now is coming out with their own service. I, what are the chances a year from now that the CBS over the top uh, program is the same as it is on day one? I mean, these things are evolving like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think for, in that case, there's a lot going on too with the fact that they also own Showtime, and so if HBO Go is going to go live, they wanted to put. And then, like I've said to other people, five years from now, if you do not have an over-the-top solution in some way connected to your media conglomerate, you'll be seen as a dinosaur. So while I think CBS is the weirdest thing to like try to launch considering their age demographics for the shows, I do see that you can't get away with not doing anything in the space. On the flip side, I don't think we want to live in a world where you have to go to 40 different apps to get 40 different shows. Right. So I do think that consolidation is coming down the line where Netflix or somebody else is going to you know, basically – figure out a way to package this in such a way that it's like surfing cable where you can kind of go thing to thing very smoothly and quickly as opposed to, you know, having to exit an app and log into the next one and so forth. Yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by all these over-the-top services and streaming services now because I'm wondering if we're ever really going to be able to get solid subscriber numbers because I think people are going to, you know, they're going to take like a four-month subscription here, watch what they want, and then, you know, when something new comes off, well, they'll, they'll unsubscribe there and they'll go to this next thing and use that until they have to go back to the previous channel. I'm wondering if the WWE is just going to be another victim of that. Well, you, you bring up a really good point, which is content is key. And what a lot of people seem to overstate is the belief that people are interested in archival content. And the, the things that are coming out of OTT today is, A, new content is huge. So the idea that Orange is in the Black was really popular. Therefore, people sat through a price increase for a short couple months because they wanted to watch it. So, you know, the next price increase, do it when you launch the next House of Cards or whatever else. Uh, number two, 
the fact that we're seeing a big difference between television and movies in terms of the ability of these OTT services to keep kind of sticking power. They're finding that Netflix does really well because all these television shows, people like to binge watch, et cetera. Well, services that are built around movies aren't doing quite as hot. I this Redbox Instant On Demand, which had Verizon backing it, that, that died a terrible death. It was never really a great thing to start off with, but it, it is to say people are really interested in television more than they are in kind of movies because they, they kind of like that ability to really go into very deep into a certain thing. And I think that, you know, even HBO Go, yeah, they're riding high now with Game of Thrones and Boardwalk Empire and everything else, but what are they going to do when they lose that production cycle? You can imagine, you know, the ANCs of the world without Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, you know, two years from now when all that's gone, what are you doing to push forward in your production cycle to make people want your service anymore? Because, you know, I would have subscribed to ANC On Demand if, if break, to get Breaking Bad back in the day, but now I have no interest in, in what service has to offer me. And so WWE is in that unique situation where they do have a couple events, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, to a lesser degree, as we're seeing, SummerSlam, uh, that you can actually say are valuable to the consumers at large. But uh, overall, you're just kind of left with that base of people that is either going to buy it all the time because they do out of habit, or I don't know. So you are really pushed in that thing about it's about content all the time. And as much as I make fun of Robert Ruth, the one time he said that WWE's Legends House just needs another House of Cards or Game of Thrones and it'll be just as popular, uh, there is something to the idea that WWE needs to have engaging live content. Because like they said, 99% of their subscribers supposedly access the service at least once a month. I find that number a little ridiculous when you consider 165,000 people dropping out at a time each quarter, but, you know, there's something to be said that they must be really interested in those monthly pay-per-views. Well, unless they count uh, when you're canceling as getting onto the network. <laughs> that's interacting with the network. That's, yeah. that's interacting with it, so that it counts. counts. That counts. Put it on there. Um, I, I want to get a prediction uh, before we get into some of these uh, points. Uh, next year, you kind of alluded to WrestleMania being a big time for this WWE network. With the news today that they're going to a no-month commitment, it's just a flat, it's $9.99, whether you want to sign up for a long period, whether you want to sign up for month-to-month. Uh, do you see WrestleMania still being on the network here in uh, here in April next year? I, I just don't think they can get away with not doing it. I think they will have just a complete consumer revolt because that's what they promised. And yeah. the reality of it is, is WWE Network is not killing WWE. WWE is set to make a lot of money on TV rights deals. And so as long as they're, they have that cushion, as long as they have the licensing cushion, as long as they have the live event cushion, you know, they're making money other ways and they can suck it up. Um, I don't think it's great for them. I wish they could execute a price increase, especially around WrestleMania. But now they've really endangered themselves by the fact of you're, you're more than ever going to have people, you know, if you start screwing with the price, making them pay attention to your, to your product and then pay attention to how long their subscriptions are for. So right now, I think, yes, it stays on the network. And two, I don't think they changed the price because they've invested way too much money in this 999 scheme for them to go away from it in four or five months from now. Uh, in also, a year and a half from now, sure, maybe. And also, people just think it's e- going to be easy for them to just, oh, well, we'll get off the network and we'll just go back to pay-per-view. you got to remember, they burned a lot of bridges with these cable companies. With this network, and and it's not, and and they're just, and and they're not the kind of company that's going to go back hat in hand and go, hey, can we come back on pay per view, please? And, well, not just that <laughs> no. too. Isn't isn't there something to the point that okay, I'm a subscriber to this network now. I didn't buy every pay per view. Now I watch them all because it's only this nine ninety nine a month. 
are you going to see if you went back to a pay-per-view format, which we're talking WrestleMania, maybe, but if they went back, say, for example, and this won't happen, but they put all 12 pay-per-views back on regular pay-per-view. They've now had a devaluation of those pay-per-views where people were getting used to paying 10 bucks. Even if they paid 50 before, they probably won't go back into it. No, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's akin to, uh, you know, saying that uh, we're going to start distributing our favorite, your new favorite TV show, but we're all going to release them on DVDs from now on. You have to buy the DVDs to watch them. You know, it's just too hard to convince people to go back in time mm-hmm. and reconvert to old mediums. I think you can hold on to them for a long time. I think that WWE is still missing the boat with the older generation of fans that is reluctant to adopt over-the-top technology. You know, I, I gave the example. My father, I went to his house uh, uh, two weeks ago, and he would watch Netflix through the Wii, but he wouldn't watch Netflix through the smart TV because he was convinced they weren't connected to the same account. So I had to show him that, no, it's the same exact account on both of those right. services. And one you can watch in, you know, pretty HDMI, and the other is, you know, just what the Wii put out. But it was a good example to me of just, like, older generation understands cable, they understand satellite, but they really don't get this over the top as much. And until it's really seamless for them to be able to interact with this, there's a desire for it. But at the same time, that is not the direction that everything's going and going backwards short of maybe one big pay-per-view. You know, if you had the one big thing you could promote, uh, Floyd Mayweather versus Brock Lesnar, yes, you should put that on pay-per-view. You should not give that away on, on the network. Um, and the same effect for WrestleMania. I think there's something you could do with WrestleMania to make it its own thing. And additionally, you could then just have some mega live event you also hold off in March or April. I, uh, I, listened, I listened to your uh, show this Saturday, WrestleNomics Radio. You can find uh, Google WrestleNomics Radio or follow at Mukigan on Twitter. I thought your first guest was uh, pretty entertaining, especially. Um, <laughs> it was you, wasn't it? It might have been. It might have been. <laughs> I didn't think I was that bad. Certainly wasn't dry. Um, WrestleNomics Radio, I, what other uh, key points, and it doesn't have to be network-related, um, like one thing in your piece that you wrote today, uh, you, you had a quote from George Berrios uh, you know, talking about the free month of November. He said, we know sampling will be a big part of this business. Well, this isn't the first sampling that WWE has given on this network. They've done plenty of week-long trials. Is the month-long uh, trial the key here? I don't know. I I feel like part of it is I, I go back. I remember I wrote an article a couple months ago. I think it was on What Culture that was called like three week sign of desperation. And now we're talking about a free month. Does that mean they're four times as desperate as they were then? Uh, it's it's a good idea in the sense that you can lull people into forgetting when their renewal period is up. The longer you kind of put between when they start and when it ends, right? Yeah. So I think that's good in the sense that I imagine it's going to be you still have to give us a credit card, and then it is no charge for the first month. I think it's the language they use. Mm-hmm. I do think it's it's another one of these examples where your current subscribers just feel like, man, you're just kicking me in the head every time you do this, right? Because yeah. you as a current subscriber are like, wow, great, you just gave away $10 of content that I have to pay for. Not only that, they're not moving me to the month-to-month no commitment here until next month, technically, till December. Uh, but I think it's good in the sense that if you're rolling out the UK and you're rolling out some other stuff, it at least provides a lot of noise that uh-huh. you can then hopefully suck some more people in. And this is the worst time of year to try to acquire new subscribers. Uh, so at least that's, you know, you're, you're putting your best foot forward. You're not giving the Royal Rumble away for free or anything like that. 
You mentioned kicking the teeth in of current subscribers. So again, I'll use myself as the example. I'm a I'm a six month uh, commitment guy. I've made my second six month commitment to the WWE Network, and that's one key point too. Is those who have made the commitment are still in that commitment. You're going to get your monthly uh, renewal taken out, and if you go to your page, it'll still show you that you're in that commitment until February. I think it is for me. Um, in December, in December, you'll be migrated to month to month. Okay. Um, they they well, sent me an email out today. I, I got one today because I was a first day subscriber as well, and it says in December we will move you to a month to month. So I, I will say, and they mentioned that in the conference call as well. So if anyone's confused, but at the same time, everyone else gets month to month in November. So it's just kind of one of those quirks of how WWE is working these I, days. I was too busy thinking that might be one of the specifics that George Barrios wasn't going to go into because there were certainly a number of those. Uh, but also with that is say, I really wanted to see a few episodes of WCW nitro, or maybe I want to, maybe this Monday night war series was a big selling point to me. Well, in a week, I probably wouldn't be able to watch all the episodes unless I was really gung ho about it. But now in a month, I can pretty much go watch everything I wanted to see as far as old content the only thing that's going to keep me around is the pay-per-views. And I don't know if until maybe Royal Rumble, until WrestleMania, that the pay-per-views are a big enough draw. And we had a uh, poster at the Voices of Wrestling forums used 2014 as an example that if you wanted to, you could see nine of the 12 pay-per-views, including all of the big ones in 2014 with this new month-to-month deal. You could have saw them all for 60 bucks. You could have seen nine of the 12 pay-per-views if you timed it right with this new month-to-month and no commitment. So you could, for one pay-per-view, you can get an entire year of WWE instead of just, you know, a half a year. Yeah, at the same time, I still think people overemphasize the value of the archive for anything more than a marketing selling point. Mm-hmm. I think it's so awesome for those of us that care, but I honestly think the the service is living and dying by whether or not people want the new live pay-per-views. Oh, absolutely. That's the only driving factor. And it's a shame because I, I think they would put more effort into the archive and they put more effort into a lot of things if they thought it was making a difference. But it's clear that either their mind space isn't there, also that we as fans are basically going to accept whatever slot they pour out for us because it's still better than what we had beforehand. Um. Uh, uh... During this conference call, they they did make quite a big deal about, (laughs) and this kind of goes into the era of recency question, their Nielsen Twitter ratings. Do you think that they're not seeing the force from the trees, or do you think they really put a lot of importance still in their Twitter mention and their presence in social media to help market this network? You know, it's kind of like asking, do people in the movie business prefer good scripts or good-looking people? Right. Yeah. They'll say they'll say one, but they mean the other. And right. so there's a reason we have seven Fast and the Furious movies, and we only have one, I don't know, clue. Uh, it, it's it's just, you, you for them, part of it is, yes, I do think they buy into it a little bit. I think Variety and, and a lot of these other Hollywood reporters and things like to tout them out and push them up with that. I think they are desperately in the TV industry trying to find new metrics that make television seem like it's not dying and losing viewers. And so TV engagement, that's the new buzzword. Um, They're really good at it, you know, compared to a lot of other things that, you know, they are getting more Twitter followers and Twitter mentions and everything else than everybody else that's on TV right now. So they're at least able to brag about that. And I think a little bit is a Napoleon complex just about how much their rights fees ended up at 
because right. hey, if you get if you get pushed over on that and you don't feel like you made the money you're supposed to, you're going to spend the rest of the time trying to tell everybody why you were really important and you deserve that raise. So I, I don't honestly think in their heart of hearts they know it's worth anything. But honestly, the people that know that and the people that make decisions might not be the same people. So it's like, does Vince McMahon have a clue whether or not a Twitter, you know, <laughs> social media activity thing means a darn thing at all? I don't know if he does. I was shocked in today's meeting that they did not once mention that they finally appointed a new chief digital officer. Uh, Lou Schwartzman, maybe his name was. I can't even recall it now, but uh, I wrote about this before. And, and what a huge thing when they, they had such a giant hole in their, their executive structure. They had basically no one running any of their digital strategy running for the WWE Network. They had fired Singerman and their, their current digital guy had left to go to the NFL. So it's like, what a huge thing to bring on that they should have been telling the marketplace, hey, look, we got leadership. We actually have somebody now who is, has some experience in this space and they didn't touch that at all. It's just things like that, that really annoy me because I was like, no one, I think everybody on that call sees through the Twitter BS. But at least if you say that you've got a new digital guy, that might mean something to somebody out there who's paying attention to the space. You, uh, there were other things that were announced in the uh, key product in, or key performance indicators and whatnot. And Jeff brought up the uh, digital space, TV ratings, uh, toys, video merchandise, anything else uh, stand out at all? Or was it pretty much what you expected? For those things, yeah, I guess the attendance numbers are always something that I've, I've grown more and more to pay attention to is that if you, like, one of the most fascinating things I ever saw was if you plot attendance and you plot pay-per-view buys, you'll find attendance right before the pay-per-views took off started to really shoot up, and then it, then pay-per-views just went crazy. And so pay-per-views are actually kind of a lagging indicator in that, that the, the arenas would start kind of getting empty before the pay-per-views will necessarily die. And so that's a really good measure in my mind for are you getting hotter or not. And while TV ratings have been really flat, to see that, that attendance international goes up, but I never really pay a lot of attention to international because that's often a function of just how many tours they run. Um, but domestic, it's like 2% up or 5% up, which is good, but it's not hot. And so it just says to me that's not a great sign because, you know, they, they keep pumping energy into this company and it doesn't seem like they're able to get hot again. And uh, that's something I'm always going to be concerned with and something I'm always going to want to look at is at least they've turned the tide around because for a while it was dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. But when you're only getting 5,000 people a show, you know, that's down quite a lot from even, you know, obviously the hottest airs where they're getting 10,000, 13,000 a show. But uh, it, it just says that it's a, it's a medium-level product right now. And so I guess we shouldn't be too surprised if the numbers aren't through the roof. You had uh, someone ask you, so you wrote an entire article about this uh, that if you follow Chris on Twitter, you can find a link to. Uh, is the WWE Network a disaster? Was a question that you were asked, and you came up with this uh, this answer. Um, can you give us a gist about uh, kind of what you wrote about, not necessarily giving everything away so that people will go and, re- and read your stuff here, but maybe a gist of what uh, inspired you to write so much about it? Well, you know, I just tried to start phrasing the question in different ways and just discovered I was writing and writing and writing. What it really says is the network is not going to kill WWE because WWE has a lot of other ways to go. TNA, on the other hand, does not have house house shows. There's not really a pay-per-view sales. There's not really a merchandise sales. If they lose that TV contract, they're dead. Mm-hmm. They are a one-trick pony. WWE at least has a multifaceted stream of revenue. And then on top of that, they have, they've locked in some really good TV deals that are especially propelling them forward. The network is not killing them. 
the network is hurting them a lot. And it was always going to hurt them a lot, but it's definitely hurting them a lot more and a lot faster than we ever thought it would. And it's just kind of proving to me the weirdest thing about it is just the network had some really crazy assumptions built into it that they seem to almost buy into themselves, and I can't figure out why they did that. But, but besides that, is the network a disaster? I, I can't call it a disaster because it's not going to kill the company because they could always sell the network, take on a partner, or basically license all the content to someone else and just receive a fee for it. Now, they will never be wildly profitable the way they want to be, but to be honest, right now, I'm not sure when they're going to be wildly profitable. It's not the worst thing in the world that somehow uh, MLB or someone else were to buy the rights, basically, to run this service for them. Yeah. And anything else that you have for uh, Chris, Jeff, on WWE business? Not on the business. I've been reading. I mean, I just would encourage everybody to go read the articles because they're so <clears throat> dense and full of information. If if you're really into the numbers and looking what's behind them and, and things like that, uh, you know, Chris is the guy to go to. So let me, let me ask you guys kind of the two questions. Uh, number one, WWE grabbed $50 million bucks from somebody this quarter uh, huh. as, as a prepayment on a TV deal. That's right. Uh, do you think that's a sign that they're nervous about, you know, cash flow? Or do you think that's a sign of, like, the money was coming from India and that was kind of part of the deal was we get it up front and it was just part of the negotiation? I, I wonder if they're worried that Finn Balor isn't going to be the big, huge draw to the <laughs> network that they uh, they were thinking of. I don't know. Um <laughs> It could be a cash flow thing. Maybe it's, uh, you know, they were, they found a TV partner to give them money up front. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think it's more they found someone who'd give them money up front, and then that'll help finesse the numbers a bit. Yeah. Well, actually, no, they were pretty clear on that, that they're not going to use it as a one payment. They're going to spread it out just like they normally would. <sighs> oh, sure. I, I, it's just really bizarre to me. And what I think it has to do with the India market. And mm -hmm. I talked to somebody who knows a lot about uh, uh, television rights in international spaces. And the one thing they stressed to me is that we would not believe how much India TV rights are going for these days, is that you would not expect it, but that's one of the places that is a huge cash cow. And, you know, Rinka Khan, think, Rinka King, yeah. and other things like that were good examples of why people were kind of messing around in that space. It's not really great for live events, though they did say they're going to return to India, which almost killed William Regal last time around. <laughs> uh, but... It, it It is something to be said that I think there's a lot going on in that space there. And if, if anyone sees or hears things in that space, pay attention there. I'd be really curious what we can learn from that. Yeah, well, they are, they are what, the, the highest or second highest most populated country in, in the world? Um, you know, if they're going towards, if they're going towards Westernism, I could totally see why, you know, rights fees for certain products from America would be, you know, the, the new cash cow, the new gold rush for people. Yeah, and, and I think things like wrestling are especially attractive because they, like they say, they translate well into other cultures because right. it's pretty easy to, you don't have a complex Breaking Bad storyline with characters and <laughs> right. issues. So it, there's something to be said about that, that kind of live sports, and obviously American football is not going to be the draw. So the one place where WWE is the NFL, right? And that and uh, on Fox Mexico, I think it was they advertised on Raw this week. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's but, uh, a whole bunch of wheels turning. We don't know which uh, direction they're necessarily going in sometimes. Okay, what's, but... what's the second question? Oh, the second question is just basically Survivor Series. What do you do to make it a relevant pay-per-view if you're going to give it away to everybody free except for those people that like to pay for things? Well, I mean, 
we talked about uh, before we were on with you, uh, Jeff and I kind of talked about, you know, maybe using this as a big commercial for other things on the network. We talked about Adrian Neville getting a prominent shot on this pay-per-view. So not necessarily, I mean, it's, it's somewhat intriguing that you'll have talent that you don't usually see on the WWE side. Um, but at the same time, it's a commercial for something you have to actually pay for the network for in December uh, with the case of Adrian Neville. Uh, the Survivor Series elimination, they're still, if you're not getting nostalgic people, uh, to actually subscribe to this network when that's seemingly what it's tiered for. This is kind of a good way because those nostalgic for the traditional Survivor Series matches might be more inclined to watch this show and maybe they see some other stuff on the network they like. Um, we talked about maybe Triple H wrestling on the program as a big advertisement, uh, but that there's negatives with that as well. Uh, those were some of the things I was thinking of. Uh, if you have any others, Jeff. Nine on one horseman beatdown of Cena. And, and uh, <laughs> I like it. You talk about horsemen. You talk about uh, Triple H. He's getting up in his age. I posted a trivia today. Uh, what was the oldest match on WWF television on a pay-per-view? The oldest match where the average age of the two competitors was the highest. Oof. Interesting. Uh... Well, I, I think one's the match has to involve flair in some way, does it not? I mean, the match has to involve flair. Um, the the main events versions of it, yes, do involve flair, and then it's just kind of a question of who were his opponents he had who are also up there in age. Maybe Undertaker is one, Flair and Undertaker. Although they haven't really wrestled a, in like ten years, I don't know. That they were among the highest, but okay. I believe the very highest were uh, Flair and Vince. Yeah. Uh, and Vince and Bret Hart. Okay, yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Vince no. and Bret. And I was at that show too, and I forgot about it. See, I was going to say the maybe Harley, Harley racing somebody. <laughs> oh yeah, the the, the old time record I think is is Patterson versus Briscoe in the uh, the, <laughs> the, the wedding dress match. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't want to remember that in my head. Don't put the. We may uh, get we may get future or, versions of that too with Mercury and Noble. Oh man! Yeah, we may see. I will. And and overall age, it would probably be that Jericho match where he faced all the legends. Or battle yeah, royals. That was another. As I was going to say the gimmick battle royale would be the other one that probably had the greatest combined age of all, all right. the people in there, or or the forty man Royal Rumble, but just by sheer numbers. Um. Anyways, gentlemen, it's been really good talking with you, and uh, it's it's always fun to uh, kind of get off your chest a whole day of WWE analysis and now it's all going to go out of my head so i have to write it all down in one day oh, oh, good. Hey, hey, hey chris let, let, let's go a different route do you have any improv shows to plug <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I i performed last weekend and uh this weekend is the the halloween show where they dress up and i refuse to perform that show now For uh, you. and so there's there's pictures of me from last year's show, and I am the saddest-looking blue M&M you will ever see in your life. <laughs> I was not a happy camper. The blue so, M&M is no, supposed to be I, the happy one. I know. It's the irony of it. I was, I was, I guess there's blue M&M in need of a Prozac that looks like a blue M&M <laughs> wow. or something of that nature. But uh, it's, it's, it's fun talking about all this stuff. You know, I want to make one last point. Go Somebody for it. sent me an email, and it was a brilliant email, and it was an investor guy who I've never met before, he listened to the podcast, and he explained to me why people are stupid. And it, it kind of opened my eyes to everything, <laughs> which is I, I rag a lot on some of these people like Laura Martin from Needham and company. Oh, who yeah, she's just terrible. would have these ridiculous predictions. And what this guy basically explained to me is that Laura is not as dumb as she seems. What it is is that these companies are trying to woo WWE basically to do investment with them. 
And so part of that is they do this equity analysis where they basically will cover your stock and say why it's great. And most of the time, what that really is is basically just a way to get WWE to look at them favorably. And hey, it worked. They started showing up to their events. They started to, um, you know, she would call into the call, and no matter what it was, she'd say, "Great numbers, guys. We did it." Oh, yeah. Like that. And it made a lot more sense. Where I was like, you know what? Is it the marketing ploy? That's why you yes. do this sort of thing. It's that you don't look at this data and really come to the wrong conclusion. You look at it and say, what do we? What do we have to write that we can we can stand behind? But at the same time, we put the company on our good side. And that really opened, turned the light on for me. And I'm sure a lot of other people figured that out already. But uh, I, I, I think sometimes we're so quick to dismiss people as just being dumb when, in fact, there, there might be a really interesting ulterior motive, just like in wrestling, right? Everyone's a carny. Everyone. How, how, how do you think I, of all people, got a one-on-one tour of the Performance Center? Sometimes you got to butter people up. Oh, and, and not to mention, you were the one guy with the access to the NBC upfront. My my favorite yep, yep. <laughs> weird, weird uh, media rob story of all. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I of all can, people. You can, yeah, you can follow me at Mukigana, and I uh, probably won't tweet again for another year after <laughs> like a thousand tweets in a day, and then well, nothing. Well, not until quarter four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bleacher uh, report for Chris. Thank you so yeah, much, uh, Chris, I, uh, for uh, for coming on with us. And uh, we'll uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again. This is becoming a quarterly tradition, so hopefully we keep it going. Absolutely. Have a great night, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good talking to you. All right. Chris Harrington on WWE Business. He, uh, when I was on his show on Saturday, uh, we were doing the goodbyes, and he kind of cut me off abruptly as we were saying goodbyes, which, not his fault, because we had gone through it like three times. So I was going to make sure to do that again for him. Okay. No, make, I was on. Sure the, I was on. I was on the show before that, talking legal stuff because he had a, an attorney on there who was talking a lot of interesting things. So he does some good stuff with uh, with WrestleNomics. It's more. It's like if you like the business part that we bring Chris yes. on for. It's all business stuff. Like, uh, I mean, people that are listening to him are financial analysts. They're not so much people who want to know what happens on, you know, main event WWE programming, anything like that. So it's it's a good listen if you like the business side. Go uh, follow Chris at Twitter. And uh, he's all over the place, writing on Bleacher Report, uh, Walt, What Culture, Voices of Wrestling. He's all over the place. Legit good guy. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I want to, uh, that was the thing. We played in the open uh, a little bit. I know it was a little bit hard to hear, but uh, Finn Balor's entrance <laughs> into one of his mention, or, uh, matches here at uh, NXT that will be coming up that you can watch for free on WWE Network in November, except if you're Jeff and I, we paid for it. Um, but you can go watch Finn Balor, uh, which is, uh, just an extension of our NXT conversation. I think it's going to phase into Finn Balor as Jojo did in her entrance, because that's the easier way to say it. Uh, Finn in a promo, you know, said his own name and that's the best source you can get. And he said it as Finn Balor. Um, I just don't buy them putting the emphasis on the end there. Like, uh, they'll Americanize it. It'll be Finn Balor. That's just what they'll go with. But it's not Finn Balor, everybody. It's not Finn Balor. It's Finn Balor. What do you want to mention here at the end of the show, uh, Jeff? Well, actually, I wanted to, to say one thing real quick about yeah. the, the, the archive. Go for it. I, th- I think in terms of marketing this network, it's time for a little bit of humility on WWE's part. Because... 
I'm a fan of the archive, and I can't find a lot of stuff. But at the same time, you've spent 15 years, A, not changing the structure of your raw, which is a big problem in terms of the current product, but in terms of the archival stuff that you're trying to sell on this network, they don't prop it up as something worth watching because they've spent the last 15 years since the Monday Night Wars telling everybody how terrible it was. This whole Monday Night War series is basically trying to mock the, this WCW, not for having a good product, but for being these upstarts who basically bought their way into the Monday Night Wars and then blew it with the things that they had. Yeah. And and it kind of undercuts them. I mean, their documentaries that they have on like WCCW and AWA is about how, you know, how they blew it. You know, it, it's it's time to kind of take a back seat. Use Raw to say, hey, here's some great matches from the old ECW or the old WCW that you should watch that are really, really good. And you prop and and the and the rising tide raises all boats. Then you get kind of the older fans. I know you don't necessarily want them as a customer base, but you get some of them more interested in it as opposed to. They basically have been, you know, their pride keeps them from doing it. And they've been saying, well, this is the way wrestling should be. And all these other promotions, this is this is for crass marketing, but we don't really believe that they did good wrestling. Our, only the WWE stuff is really good. And it, and it's, you know, you, you start building original programs on the network that raise up this archival content at the same time, as opposed to, you know, the Legends of Wrestling stuff was okay, but it was still more retcon WWE history more than anything. I, I think you have to make everything in the network. If you want the network to be a focus, you have to make everything in the network be important in addition to your Legends house and your Total Divas and your N and even your NXT. You know, you'd say, well, that's the future of the WWE. And you kind of treat it a little bit second rate when it's on the Raw show. So, I mean, you, you just treat everything as important and it'll be important, I think. Well, without uh, turning this into a WWE Network fantasy booking show. Yeah, I didn't want to do no, that. You, but I just no, but I, I don't want to quick. either. It's the marketing of this has been atrocious. And I think yeah. one of the reasons that I'm, uh, that I'm saying that is, again, for another pay-per-view, the whole bashing your current paying viewers who are paying on pay-per-view because, one, that may be their only option, or, two, they have no you know, Roku box or, or computer maybe. And there, I'm sure there's a ton of WWE fans that have a TV at home and maybe limited internet or yeah. no type of console or smart TV. There's a ton of them. Yeah, or they live in an apartment complex where you can't get that strong of a, you know, the, everybody everybody's on the same network, so you're not getting a strong stream. The marketing of this has just been amazing on several fronts and bashing paying subscribers, paying... <sighs> paying viewers on pay-per-view because they don't have the network when maybe they can't get it or maybe they buy the one show because it's the easiest way to order it. Let's face it. It probably still is the easiest way to order a show like survivor series is to view it on TV through your cable provider. I'm just talking like ease of doing it instead of yeah. signing up for a network, putting your credit card information on there and navigating through a Roku menu that you may not be used to buying it on pay-per-view the convenience there is a big selling point of the network to me, how convenient it is. So that's probably a big selling point to pay-per-view. Yeah. Stop showing contempt for your for Stop. your customers and be nice to them and love us. Whether Just love they're going to switch over or not, 
any customer you have, no matter what the stream is, you should not be making a fool of. That is one of the dumbest things they have ever done. And it does not give me good faith for any other marketing they're going to do when the mindset of any of these people in charge are, hey, we got to make sure we make a fool out of our pay-per-view buyers. When that mindset is there, there's nothing they can do right now or nothing they've done to give me any good faith. Any. Um... Since you're in the Los Angeles area, yes, and since one of the people on this card may be making their last PWG appearance ever, I wanted oh. to run down the a card for December 12th. We talked about how Survivor Series almost has a full card. Right. Well, PWG, two months from now, has a full card. Okay. Pro Wrestling Guerrilla in Los Angeles, which is Ronda Rousey's favorite wrestling promotion, apparently. Um, she was there once. Let's let's there twice. Let's face it. Okay, twice. Did I did I miss her when I was there? Okay, never mind. But continue. Yeah, she was at Josh, she was at Josh, Bola Josh. and then the day the uh, show after. Oh, okay. Yeah. No okay, problem. Yeah. Probably not her favorite promotion. She's a big Seth Rollins mark. Um, I want to run down this card. You give me your thoughts on it being a local there. All right. Matt Seidel and Chris Sabin are teaming up. Hmm. Former TNA star, former WWE star, Evan Bourne, Chris Saban, teaming up against the Young Bucks. Love it. Evan Bourne's getting in there with the Young Bucks. You're going to have a four-way, Brian Cage, Uha mm-hmm. Nation, Biff nice. Busick, and Love Tommaso it. Ciampa in a fatal four-way. One of these men may be making their final appearance ever, ever in PWG. Do you know which one? Is it Biff Busick? Uha Nation. Oh, that's right. Okay. Was at the tryouts, the NXT that's tryouts right. last week. Right. And according to those who are close, people liked him. Stole the show. Oh yeah. He's he's very good. I mean, I thought he wasn't he under developmental already at one point? And uh, then he got in, it got injured or something? I don't think so, but I, I'm not sure offhand. Because he's because I believe he's a little older in yeah. age. So he okay. may have he may have been one of those who had some type of agreement but never actually did anything there. Possibly, I don't know. He's a, um, he's, a, he's a great performer. I wish nothing but the best. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong should be a battle. I'm down with that. Frankie, I'm going to have to get tickets to this. I, I know that's only three shows, and I haven't gotten to the big three matches yet. Well, big two matches. Um, Kazarian and Christopher Daniels battling Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae for the tag team titles. Mm, I'm not as big a fan of... Uh, of uh, Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae as a lot of people, but uh, I love Kazarian and Daniels. It'll be a fine match, I think. I just there's there's still that part of me in terms of intergender matches that gives me the jibblies, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I I like what they've done for the most part. Is now there was a Rich Swan match at Bola that was a little ridiculous with Candice, but for the most right. part, she takes her beating and kind of does these moves that are surprise moves that you think okay, might in a real fight be somewhat realistic? Like, she just catches people off guard, just throwing well, like, herself it, at people? In, in the pseudo-comedy matches, like the ones I saw at uh, at, at the show before Bola, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it's fine, you know, when you have guys like Trent yeah. in there, and, and they're... You know they're they're kind of playing up the comedy aspects of it. I think I think it was at Bola where she bladed. Was it not, or was that, it another? That show? was uh, that was PWG eleven. I think that was PWG eleven. With, I went to the show young before. Bucks. I went to the show before eleven. But yeah, the show where she's blading and yeah. it's like oof, that kind of uh, you know. I get that you know. Hey, she's just as good as the men. It's a you know. It's a it's an equality thing. I get it. But at the same time, there's that there's that part of me that's a traditional. 
gender roles type of guy that i mean i don't and it's odd because i wouldn't mind blading in a women versus women match but in a men versus women match that kind of kind of goes to a little bit you know to that domestic violence thing that you just kind of go i don't know but you know what she's a performer uh... she's a performer she's great it's 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 just something. I mean, because Aaron and Daniels will be great in the match, and they'll take care of them. Yeah. so it'll be it's, fine. It's a performance. You get men who kill women in movies. Not to make that you know yeah. crude example, but I mean, no. it's a performance in that regard. I mean, you can still we... kind of see that in Bola when she was wrestling Rich Swan, and Rich Swan just gives her the big punch to the face. That yeah, even in a it's... wrestling match, people aren't expecting something like that. Yeah, it's not as bad as say you know ECW in the mid '90s where you no. know, you're pile driving women and putting them through tables and things like that. And that's and, still you know and they were objectifying. Were that, yeah, so. and they're not really objectifying. Now the crowd chanting "We want Candace" is just a funny chant, and it's but they're not really objectifying her. True, she's a competitor who's weaker because she's weaker. Um, <laughs> Cedric Alexander versus Adam Cole. Down with that. Trevor Lee, who's had a big run this year. Uh, battling Chris Hero, who's had a big meal this year. Oh, you, you guys need to stop making fun of Chris Hero. I'm not making fun of I At this point, I kind of feel like Chris Hero is doing this on purpose. Like, he just wants to be this big guy. Like, that's his gimmick. Well, you know... As like, a, he's as doing a, it on purpose. Because he was never well, this big before. It's not like he's changing much, but he's, the, he's gigantic. The, he's bigger than he's ever been. Maybe the brother just doesn't like cat cardio, all right? Maybe. Well, he can still go. I mean, he slows down a little bit now in matches. You can tell. I don't think he's going 60 anytime soon. Right. Um, a, uh, we have a six-man tag featuring the return of the previously mentioned Trent. Yes. Trent, Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano. Always fun. Yes. The the best friends of low moral, moral fiber. Yes. If I can get that out. Uh, A.R. Fox, ACH, and Richard Swan. Are there opponents? Nice. That should be a fun six man. That's gonna that's gonna be a barn burner. And then the main event, we're gonna see if Prince Puma here <laughs> can close. Did you see that match? Did you see the Puma versus Johnny Mundo match? I haven't seen it's it yet. Really good. I it's haven't really seen good. it yet. I'm, I do want to see I'm, that. I I you know, and I I'm a little biased because I know Morrison, you know, a little bit socially, so he's a good guy. But I, I loved that match, and I thought they they gelled really well. I gotta, I gotta, I'll find a way to see that at some point. But yes, we have Ricochet trying to close out his 2014 with Bang, battling for the PWG Championship against Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, so if you are an I'm independent there. superstar, this show is amazing on paper. Yes, absolutely amazing on paper, and you might uh, get the chance to say goodbye to Uha Nation. I'm, I'm. I think I'm going to be there front row. Happening this weekend, uh, Ring of Honor is running two shows. So tons of former WWE stars come from Ring of Honor, and some are still there. Uh, Evan Bourne, Matt Seidel is going to be on these shows also. It's their Survival of the Fittest weekend happening in Columbus, Ohio, and Toledo, Ohio. So the Survival of the Fittest, for those who don't know, the first night is a bunch of singles matches, and then the winners of all six of these singles matches go into a six-way the next night to crown the survival of the fittest. Nice idea. Good little run for house shows, but Ring of Honor has some events coming up. Guy, you're going to have Kazarian and uh, Daniels on that show. Evan Bourne, uh, Jay Lethal, who was in TNA. Jimmy Kazarian Jacobs and, and BJ Kazarian Whitmer. and Daniels are facing the Briscoes, aren't they? They're facing the Briscoes on night two in Toledo on night oh, I'm one. So, I am so down with that oh, match. Yeah. yeah, that's the main event of the I show. Love the, I love the Briscoes. I don't care what anybody says about some of their social habits. It doesn't matter. I, I like I like yeah. them for what they do in the ring. 
Yeah, so that's the main event of Toledo, which is only an hour and 40 minutes away from me. So that might be a consideration. Um, the first night main event is Briscoe's against Matt Taven and Michael Bennett. And then you're mm. also going to have Kazarian and Daniels battling Jimmy Jacobs and BJ Whitmer in, the, in the non-title yeah. matches. So, I mean, as far as a card goes with the survival of the fittest main event and the Briscoe's Kazarian and Daniels, the rest of the card won't be known until the day of the show because it depends on who wins and who loses survival of the fittest matches. But already night two looks amazing just based mm. on the talent that'll be there. And the fact that you have that main event of Briscoe's and Kazarian and Daniels. Cool. That's ROH. So that's our independent talk. So we can uh, rise up the boards on iTunes in the <laughs> Indies. Um, yeah, but no, I, I thought it was an interesting because these are the top level Indies where you're going to see some of this talent in WWE and some of the talent that's in WWE right now came from these two places. That's where they made their their names. I mean, Brian Danielson is a huge example, really made his names in these two promotions. Um, yeah, you're going to see some of these names. Uha Nation apparently stole the show at the tryouts. Good for him. Uh, next week, we're probably going to have Raw. We might know more about what Randy Orton's going to be doing uh, as far as the main event of Survivor Series that you can watch for free, not even $9.99. It makes that chant useless. What are they going to do? Is Triple H going to come out with a 15-minute promo to open Raw next week and say you can watch Survivor Series for F-R-E-E? Is that going to be hope, the new thing for a month? I hope not, because I think that's just turning off a lot of people in terms of the marketing. God, they just, they've devalued literally their pay-per-view to free. Uh, and you know what they're going to do on Survivor Series? Is Michael Cole will still have that segment, maybe twice on the show. If you're he, watching this on pay-per-view, you're stupid. You paid $54.99. If you're watching in the network, you didn't pay at all. You got this for free. Mm-hmm. Now let's watch this Adrian Neville match. If there's going to be a show for an Adrian Neville match, I didn't even think about having NXT guys on the show but until you said it, but now it makes perfect sense because you're going to have plenty of space. Yes. Why not use it as an advertisement for Neville versus Sami Zayn? Why not? Um, you know, you might get some grumbling in the back, but who cares? That's not your call. It's the company's call. These guys, grumbling in the back from guys, first, yeah, it's so crazy because the only guys grumbling from the back are going to be guys that have been there forever. Let's Zach Ryder. Yeah, maybe Zack Ryder. Zach Ryder, <laughs> Zach Ryder probably won't be in the back. He probably has a right to grumble, too. He's going to be at home yeah. working on his figuring yeah. out which uh, supplements he needs to take. Playing with his toys? Playing with his internet championship. I thought that was funny. Zack Ryder tweeted uh, this week about how he is not in WWE 2K15, but the internet championship is. <laughs> oh, man. It's a true story. The internet championship is in there, and Zack Ryder's not. So this guy... He tries, but he fails. Um, anything else before we go on this uh, this week's of uh, Shake Them Ropes? Quick plug for me. Go um, for it. If you are in the Philadelphia area next weekend, um, Saturday night I am doing an improv comedy show at the Philadelphia Improv Festival at uh, 10 p.m. at the Asian Arts Building at 1219 Vine Street at 10 p.m. Uh, my group is called Billy Hawk. You can get all the information at phlcomedy.com. And, uh, you know, come by. That's why. That's how, kind of how I know Mookie a bit, is he also does improv comedy in the uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis area. But, uh, yeah, come on by, say hi. Uh, watch some good comedy, because that 10 p.m. lineup's pretty good, as is the 8.30 lineup. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, phlcomedy.com. Um, and uh, come watch some good uh, improv in the city of brotherly love. Go watch Jeff Hawkins do comedy 
after <laughs> stressing out about talking about WWE business all day. I don't. <laughs> I I completely understand why you guys go into comedy to release everything. That's fine because um, my partner is a casual fan, so everything I do, you know, when I ask him questions, it's it's kind of like, well, that's my uh, that's my litmus test of what people care about and what people don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Good luck to you. Good luck to you on that show. I don't do uh, I don't do comedy, so not yeah. very funny. Do you watch comedy? I watch comedy. Oh, you know what you I've go. been doing lately on these drives because I have Sirius in my car, and uh -huh. I made I made these two drives. You know, one in September, one in October, that are seventeen hours in one shot to Florida to go to these NXT things, and I listen to a lot of the Comedy Central radio on uh -huh. Sirius. I've been listening to it. There, well, there's other comedy channels too that I'll go back but comedy central radio every once in a while I'll throw an entire special up from somebody and it just plays for an hour so i listened to like uh i don't even remember who because i was half asleep at the time luckily getting in no accidents but yeah i've been listening to more comedy lately i'm not a big uh listening to comedy guy but i recommend uh, doing uh, it. i recommend archives of the old phil hendry show and if you don't know his gimmick he is both the radio host and also the guests Oh, and he nice. sucker and he suckers people into calling by basically trolling them. It's it's great. But we've been rambling long enough. This has been a good ninety minutes. I've enjoyed myself. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's end it, Rob. I will end it, Jeff. We will end this uh, this week. We'll be back next week. Thanks everybody for listening. Go to shakethemropes.com for our archives and uh, follow Chris Harrington on Twitter. Good night. Good night. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.